Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's Brendan Escott and Cam Moon alongside 1233 in Edmonton. Some guests of the show do receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you have ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Chris and Chef Altoff that Oilers now sent you. I don't know if he ever snuck over to Roos Chris when he was doing work here in Edmonton back in the day. I'm not even sure if it was open at that time, but Roos Chris is awfully enticing. We'll see if we can get Ken enticed by a gift certificate. Ken Reed, our headliner today, the anchor on Sportsnet. He's a, an acclaimed author as well. He is our headliner brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Ken, you're on with Brendan and Cam. How's it going today? Good guys, and I have been to Ruth's, Chris. I was there one night, and Denny Savard was at the table next to me, so you never know who's going to pop into there. You know it. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what Denny Savard is saying, that Ken Reed was sitting the table over from him. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure he was. Yeah, I'm sure he was enthralled and stuff like that. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but great steak. I was, hey, I'm coming out to Edmonton uh, end of October, so maybe I'll pop in there. So, you, you know. Okay. I like this. Oh, wow. That's yeah. how business works. Yeah. Yeah, that is how business what's, works. What's bringing you out this way? A uh, little book tour promoting a new book uh, that I have coming out. So I'm going to go out. I'll be around uh, Edmonton and Calgary, I think, end of October. So there you go. I'm Alberta bound. All is that right. uh, Hometown Hockey Heroes? You know, uh, well, yeah, yeah, that is, Cam. You know all about that book, buddy. I interviewed you for it for the Randy Keller story. So, yeah, it's called Ken Reed's Hometown Hockey Heroes. They put my name in the title, you oh. know, because I am a... I insisted on it being a complete and total narcissist of a TV anchor. Right. A picture on the front. <laughs> of course. So, yes. yeah, I'm kind of like, okay, well, we'll go with that. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's, uh, you know, it's a book that's going to, I think, resonate with anybody who grew up in a small town and watched hockey back in the day. You spend a lot of time, Ken, working in this industry and for you know decades now. What do you look for in inspiration for a book? You've written quite a few of them now. Yeah, I guess... Um, I would consider myself a sports romantic and a hockey romantic, and I love a story. I could care less about analytics and advanced stats and nerdlinger. He hit the ball hard, but he's out. I'm like, make the ball land. Find some green. I don't care how hard you shoot. You put it in the back of the net. I look for uh, I look for a good story, something with a twist and uh, something that will make you laugh, maybe make you cry, make you relate to it in some way. So I'm, I'm a story guy, so that's that's what I look for. I'll never get on the air and talk about stat this and stat that, number this, number that. Now, there's some obvious numbers, you know, 15, 39, 92 goals that, that are romantic in there in yeah. the in the telling of how that happened. But I'm not going to get on the air and talk about a guy's course after 10 games of the season or anything like that. 
Now, was there like a was there like a personal connection, or the as far as the inspiration goes for hometown yeah. hockey heroes? What uh, what brought that on? Total personal connection. So I grew up in a small town. Anyone's ever heard me talk? I talk about my hometown of Pickle quite a bit. So for me, uh, the local junior C teams that played every Saturday night when I was nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old. Those guys were my NHL. So I'd go watch them, and I'd run home and watch hockey night in Canada. And if anybody from Pictou County's listening out there, they'll remember the name Teapot. Teapot was the, the money player, right? If the game was on the line, you wanted Tea because he was going to score the overtime winner. So he always scored the biggest goals for the Mariners. So he was kind of my original hockey hero. I would have held him in the same realm as I held Gretzky and Lafleur back in the day. So, you know, every every town has a story of a guy. You know, he would have made it if it wasn't for this. So I kind of took it and twisted around, and I thought, well, he did make it. He just didn't make it to the NHL. He made an impact on the people around him uh, in their towns. And I thought, well, I mean, I mean I'm from a town of four or 5,000. How many towns in Canada are like that? There's got to be tons of guys like Teapot out there. So I, I threw it out on Twitter, and the names came flooding in. And, and sure enough, there were. There were guys who, who worshipped uh, Randy Keller from Claire's home, who became a big star with the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. And stories just came popping in from around Canada. And next thing I know, I'm, I have to narrow it down, and I, I start calling people, and all these great stories pop up. And I'm like, so for me, you know, the old he would have made it except for, I, I kind of twist that around, I kind of take the positive out of it, and I'm like, he did make it in a way, because he made an impact on the people around him. Like, like, you don't have to score 92 goals to be a hockey hero in 81-82. It helps. It helps. You're a lot more well-known. You're more compensated for it, but you can still be a hockey hero without uh, kind of transcending the nation. You can transcend your small town in a way. Two renditions of hockey card stories. You've got one night only, one night to remember. Uh, small town heroes. Are these like your children in which it's hard to pick a favorite? Oh. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I, I guess the, the first is always the most special, right? Because the first book I did was uh, hockey card stories. And you, you kind of learn by doing it. And the more you do something, you guys know, the better you get at it, right? So the first one, it took a while. Um, the, the following ones, you, you learn a few shortcuts. You learn, oh, I can transcribe it this way, or I can focus it on this side of the story. So, yeah, but the first one is, is you always look back and go, wow, I, I actually did that. And but when they all come out, they're all they're all special because, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here now and I got another one I got to get to work on, and it's just like, oh man, do I want to go through this again? But when I start talking to guys. Like Cam, when I when I called you up, you knew what I was talking about right away, and you know the stories go in in ways that you, you don't really expect sometimes. And and the special thing about this book was like for most of the guys in it, they didn't have a hockey DB page, so I started at I started at zero. I started at okay, are there any old newspaper articles on these guys? Does, does anyone in their hometown remember them? Which obviously they did. That's that's how I found out about them. But this one was special in the fact that it, it was really uh, I guess. I don't know if pure is the word, but uh, it was very innocent in the fact that there wasn't a lot out there on a lot of these guys. So that was kind of fun, just discovering who these guys were and kept more of the impact almost that they made off the ice as opposed to on the ice in, in the towns that they come from. I love the stories. I really do. You're, uh, you're, you. you're one night only. I read yeah. that and I loved it. And we actually had Brent Cron was on the show yesterday. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. And you had him in the book, a great yeah. story. And we got Brent telling us um, stories in a very, um, a very humorous fashion as he does. Yeah, uh, that uh, that had to be that had to be interesting. Just the different ways 
uh, players found out that they were going up or if it was out of nowhere. I mean, well, Dean Clark uh, got called up from junior to play a game. Yeah. Uh, the St. Albert guy that was playing in Kamloops at the time came up, played one game for the Oilers, uh, went on to a long coaching career in the WHL. But yeah, that like researching these books or, or whether it's one to remember players that have scored one goal in the NHL, mm-hmm. they, you must just be like having the doors opened to some like amazing stories out there. Absolutely, and and things that I never thought would happen. Like the one that I always come back to for, for one night only was a goalie named Bob Ring who played in a game for the Boston Bruins when he was 19, and you know he he'd come up and played at 19, and then the next year they're like, okay, you can be drafted into the Vietnam War, um, and he's like, I don't want to go to Vietnam. What the hell am I going to do? Right? I can't. Like if I play in the minors around here, I might have to go to Vietnam and. He hears about Canadian University Hockey, and he goes up and plays at Acadia in uh, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. And he never plays in the NHL again. He ended up serving as a backup for some New England Whalers games, you know, practice goalie. But in a way, he's like, you know, going to Acadia might have saved my life because I could have went from the NHL to Vietnam. You know, and I'm like, geez, that's kind of more than just a hockey story. That's that's big. And, and the interesting thing with, with One Night Only was so many of the guys had that one taste of the NHL when they were only 18, 19, 20 years old, you know, like junior call-ups, like Dean. And they thought that, that, that it was going to last forever. And then there's guys like Croner, who was a first-round pick, and it, it took him a while to get there, and he didn't get there with the team he was supposed to get there with. And when he did get there, it was for 20 minutes with Dallas, and he got shelled. But in typical Brent Cron, the, the awesome, happy, positive guy he is, he's, he said every time I heard that horn go off in Chicago and they scored on me, I almost still kind of smiled because I'm like, wow, I'm in Chicago and the horn's going off. This is still pretty cool. So what I liked about One Night Only was I think so many of us, so many people look at, at a hockey stat or hockey DB and they go, oh, that guy stinks. He only played one game. Whereas I took it and I go, no, no, he played one game. That's pretty amazing because for me, um, I know Cam, Cam, you played Major Junior. You know how hard it is. To make it to, to the best league in the world, even for one shift, is a pretty amazing accomplishment. So that's kind of what I tried to get through with that book. And I didn't, I didn't steer guys to go that way, but that's kind of what came out of it was after a while, they appreciated what they did. At the moment, yeah, it stung that they never made it back, but after a while, they appreciated what they did. Chatting with Ken Reed right now, Sportsnet anchor, acclaimed author as well. He's our headliner today, uh, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Do you do any work with audiobooks? I know those are just growing oh in popularity. How, how was that oh process? My oh, my God. <laughs> Never again. So for my first book, do you want to do the audio recording? Sure, no problem. Respect to anyone who can record an audio book. Maybe it's my slight maritime accent. Maybe it's my slurring of words, but I sucked at recording an audio book. Like I am, I don't know who the best audio book recording guy of all time out there is. Maybe it was Charlton Heston. It was a funny skit on SNL back in the day, Charlton Heston doing the audio book recording of sex by Madonna. And let's Google it. It's funny. <laughs> but I was bad at it. It took four or five days. I showed up. And the guy's like, well, where's the book? I go, you don't have a transcript? I, I didn't know how this worked. Um, it was painful. <laughs> There's people who told me they liked my audio book. And I said, I'm glad you like it. But in the subsequent, I don't know, five, six books I've done, they've all been audio recorded by a professional audio book connoisseur person because that is a line of work I never want to get into again. It was, it was tedious. And I learned in grade eight that tedious meant long and tiring. 
and I kept thinking of grade eight when I was in there doing my audio book. First off, I'm the last guy you'd ever picked to write a book because I wasn't a great student, but I did remember what tedious meant. And it, recording an audio book, respect to those who do it, it's long and tiring. And all my friends who write books now, I said, I always say, get someone else to do the audio book. And some of them do, some of them don't. And everyone that does it themselves says, you were right. So it's a tough process. I bet it is. <laughs> No, I'd much rather I'd much rather write a book than read yeah. a book out loud to do a microphone. Because, like I, I'm, you know, we all listen to podcasts, and I, I listen to this podcast, American Scandal, and the, the narrator is so good. But when you're, he reads nice and slow and deliberately. And when you do the audio book, you have to read nice and slow and deliberately. And I, oh man, I couldn't do it. I sucked at it. I was, I was. Uh, I was maybe midget house league player at best audiobook guy. I was I was not on the first line. So you the editor had a lot of work to do is what you're telling oh me. Oh my god, the poor guy. I felt so bad for him. He said, Get stop, stop, do that line again. And I was like, Oh my god. I felt like remember that scene in La Bamba where Richie Valens keeps recording the song and yes. the guy keeps making it record it over and over and over and over again? That's what I felt like. It was bad. And I didn't even have my brother Bob to lean on like Richie had in La Bamba, right? That's true. That is true. Richie! Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sheldon Keefe signs a, a two-year extension with the with the Leafs. That comes out today. You're in Toronto. Yep. You're around it. Uh, what'd you think? A uh, little surprised, but again, it's two years, so it's kind of like you don't want to go in with the coach on the old last year and have that be a distraction over your head. Leafs can afford it if they have to do something. I think they're going to have enough of a distraction with Nylander until they take care of that situation. So why not get Sheldon Keefe wrapped up? I mean, he's, he's done a decent job. Sometimes in the playoffs, some people say he's been outcoached, but I think it's more of his players have perhaps been outworked and he's been outcoached. But, uh, you know, uh, I I wasn't shocked by it. I wasn't, you know, it was it is what it is kind of thing for me. Two years isn't a ringing endorsement, but it's something under a new GM. So I thought it was a, a good gesture by Trey Living. And the follow-up to this, of course, is with the Matthews extension. Uh, only four years there. That's been a lot of the talk centered out west, of course, is that mm-hmm. they can't get these players to commit beyond four years. But why would a player want to when they're going to earn a big salary boost when the cap yeah. goes up? So what what is yeah. the, I guess, reaction to Matthews' extension? Pretty much that. Everyone's like, okay, yeah, that's good business. He'll be 30 when his contract's up. That's smart. I mean... And four years is, I mean, from from what Elliot says, he Elliot Friedman was reporting that uh, the team he wanted three, the team wanted five, so you settle on four. Uh, they get him in his prime years, right? So he'll be here for all of his late twenties. So I think it's a good deal for the Leafs. And let's face it, if if the cap goes up, they'll be in a position to pay him more as well. But uh, you know, and then he can shop around his wares and look elsewhere if that's what he chooses to. What if he gets thirty and he still hasn't won a cup here in Toronto? Insert joke. So I think it's a good deal for both sides, to be honest. What sort of uh, cap gymnastics do you think the Leafs will have to do yet here? Oh, well, they've already done it with Matt Murray, right? Like, what, what was the, what's his injury? Okay, so he's on LTIR. He'll pull off something. It's like, it's like going to see Ravine. Remember Ravine back in the day? He was yes. in Atlanta, Canada. Yeah, he'd come and hypnotize people. You'd leave. You didn't quite know what happened, but you know you were entertained and that something happened. That's kind of like the Leafs with their cap gymnastics. I mean, it's so greasy, the, the cap, the way they, you know. <laughs> yes, I, I know Mark, Mark Stone. Could he probably come back with a month and a half left in the season last year? Probably, but, you know, like 
Yeah, what was Vegas's actual cap hit when they won the cup? So it's kind of like it's kind of like speeding. Everybody speeds, you know. There's different ways around it, but yeah, the Leafs will pull something off. And and, and that's the, the other thing of being a hockey romantic. I can't I can't sit here and talk about the cap again. I just it's just to me it's just such it's so boring. Gary Bettman turned hockey fans into accountants. I mean, I, I it was the best back in the day when you hear rumors that Gila Fleur made. 300 grand a year and you're like he makes what like i just wish like i you know the nba has it the best that soft cap really helps the players uh, is there too much movement yeah but if you're a player today if you're like a i don't know there's 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 it's kind of like society there's no middle class anymore and most of them are getting i don't want to say they're getting screwed they're making good money but it would be a lot more entertaining if we didn't talk about the cap we could just talk about hockey but, as, as a hockey again, romantic Ken, yeah. are you were you a big fan of Showdown? Yeah, Showdown was awesome. That's like one of my first memories. And you know what the best thing about Showdown was? They tried. They did. When, when you watch the stupid All Star Game competition now with their foolish breakaway contest, I'm like, just try. The best thing you do in a breakaway contest is try. Don't put on a cape and try to be a slam dunk guy. A uh, hockey in its in its essence, it's like it's like football. The Pro Bowl sucks because you can't play football that way basketball all-star guy game is fine because you can put on a show and play basketball kind of slacking off hockey you can't play slacking off there's a reason there's no harlem globetrotters hockey team because it's just it doesn't work so yeah showdown was awesome plus the guys all had their lids off plus mike palmatier was like just stretched to the max like every like palm they recorded that in the middle of the summer too the boys didn't have to do that the winner probably got 50 bucks to, i don't know what was the grocery store back in the day Dominion. They probably got like 50 bucks at the Meat Island yeah. Dominion for winning it, but it was awesome. You know, Here's 50 bucks and a pack of players' lights, but it was awesome because the guys tried. I don't know who came up with uh, what the competitions would be, but yeah. hats yeah. off to them because they were pretty good. Oh, Showdown was awesome. It was probably Ralph Melendy. Yeah, you're probably right. I guess. Yeah, it was probably him. But yeah, Showdown was awesome. No, no buckets, just going in. Rifling shots at a goalie with hardly any gear on. It was deadly. Uh, one more question for me here, Ken, and it's to do with, uh, I guess, your day-to-day life as uh, an anchor at Sportsnet. It just—it looks like you and Ivanka have so much fun on the desk, and mm-hmm. I know that there's mm-hmm. so much preparing that goes on behind the scenes for you to be able to be, you know, that loose in that scenario. Can you just give us a peek back into, you know, what a day in the life of Ken Reed looks like before we see you capping up a Blue, Ga- a Blue Jays game or something like that? Well, today's been very entertaining. I couldn't sleep that well last night because of what the Blue Jays did. They just totally blew it. Didn't do, like, yeah. So, on so many fronts. And I, as soon as Kirk's on second, I go pinch runner. And then they don't pinch run for him. But, but because it's not baseball logic, which is the most flawed thing ever, everyone's like, well, he, he only represented the, the – the, he didn't represent the tying run. And I'm like, well, last I saw, you can't get the, the four be, five before you get the four. So anyway, uh, didn't sleep well because of that. Then the bases loaded with nobody out on the inning. Didn't sleep well because of that. So today I got up at 8 for the third time for my pee. Went back to bed, got up at 12.42, yelled at my kids to get outside. <laughs> I spent the last hour and a half looking around the house for my kids' birth certificate for so I can sign them up for hockey. Can't find that. Scanned his passport. Now I'm on the phone with you guys. When this is over, I'll watch the Blue Jays with my kids. Uh, going to work around uh, 7 o'clock and pop on around 10 and hopefully be home by 11.30. 
and Ivanka's on vacation, so we'll be working with Jesse Fuchs tonight. But Ivanka would have lost her stuff last night at that Jays game. She'd have been, <laughs> she gets sweaty palms. It's pretty gross. And uh, yeah, she would have been she would have been pretty ticked off last night, as as most of Canada was, I do believe. Yeah, that was a tough one. Well, this afternoon oh, they God. need to get it. Oh my God, they have to. Like, it's it's one thing to to lose; it's another thing to help yourself lose. And it's like, come on, guys, just come on, get out of your own way. But I mean, you talk about a mess, three and a half out in the wild card, and they were supposed to perhaps win their division. Come on. Well, we've been watching, uh, boy, we've been watching a football team here can struggle to do anything. Oh, my God. So, um, oh, my God. They got their win, though. They two sure in a row. did. They got two in a row. They got one on the road, one well, at home. Answers. I, I, look at the, I look at the wide shots of Commonwealth. And I'm like, Is there anybody there? It gets sad. No, last, game, was, last game wasn't bad. Okay, yeah, good. It wasn't yeah. bad. That's good. They That's set a good. very high bar years ago. It's yeah. been tough yeah. to That was to always a fun time down at that one end where they served the odd beverage. Yeah, I think that's what I hear. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe they'll be worth watching when you swing through town. Ken, really appreciate you loading so. us some time this afternoon. Enjoy the ball game today. My pleasure. Bucks and deep. Here we go. Quick start. Yeah. <laughs> Head up crossing the blue line, Ken. <laughs> All right. See you, boys. Ken Reed from Sportsnet. Appreciate that time uh, for sure. Worth a couple laughs. I have heard, yeah. and that's not the first time, that's why I had to ask the audiobook question. I have heard that is absolute torture for someone to try and, and produce an audiobook. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. If you're doing audio, even of a 30 second commercial, can take you quite a while mm -hmm. to get it just right. I can't imagine a whole book. Let's, <clears throat> let's see if I can do it here. <laughs> we will be right back on Oilers Now. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630Ched. Shout out to our headliner today, Ken Reeds, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Remind you, don't miss your chance to join an exciting road trip to Nashville, Tennessee to watch the Oilers play the Predators. Package includes nonstop airfare with Flair Airlines, four nights in a deluxe hotel right near all the action, lower bowl tickets to the game, a welcome reception with Bob, and you know there's always special guests at those. You can experience all that Music City USA has to offer this October on the Nashville road trip. Call New West Travel today or go online to New West Travel. Dot com Music City USA. That one's early, and uh, I know they had to go above and beyond to get some more room for this trip, so uh, that's going to be a humdinger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is my suspicion. I'm so envious you guys get to do that. I want to come down and do a road show one of these days. I'll earn my way up to that. Yes. In the meantime, I'll hold down 630, Chad. There's that's the place order. to do it, though, oh. if you're doing a road show. Go to Nashville to do that, I think. <laughs> um, here's an interesting comment here, just while we have a couple of seconds. So, Connor Bedard uh, talking at the BioSteel camp ahead of his first NHL season. And we all know there's comparisons to be made to Connor McDavid, right? Not only in the first name department, but because they're both generational talents. I'll say that. Uh, he says, though, that it's certainly an opportunity for him to learn a thing or two. Bedard says of McDavid. You know, Connor. 
um, has given me lots of, you know, good advice on that. Kind of ask him some questions. I mean, you know, he says, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, good stuff. I mean, he's obviously one of, if not best player in the world. So, uh, someone that I've been able to, you know, kind of be a sponge with and, and ask some questions. And then, you know, of course, Crosby and, and all those guys, you try to, you know, get as much information out of them as you can. And nice. He's going to be good, not because of his natural skill set alone, but because he seems like his appetite for the game of hockey is pretty insatiable. Like He just wants all the advantages and the... He's been doing it since he was 13 years yeah. old, turning heads with this kind of thing. You listen to him talk at 13 years old and thinking, who the blank is this kid? <laughs> Who's he this loves kid? it, though. And you can tell he loves yeah, it. Yeah, he hasn't missed a beat all the way up. Chicago opening up their season in Pittsburgh on October 10th. So you get the Bedard-Crosby matchup right out of the gate for whatever that's worth at his rookie season. It's going to be a fun storyline to follow along with. We are going to open up the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline when we get back to you on Oilers Now. Brendan Escott and Cam Moon with you here this week.